Hello, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, July 4th. I think everybody kind of knows what holiday it is today. Obviously, National Fry an Egg on a Sidewalk Day. That's actually something I'm looking into. <laughs> really? I thought I was being dumb, but apparently I'm not. Why? I still am. I am looking into the possibility of using direct solar energy to not create electricity through solar panels, but to produce heat. To fry an egg. Not to fry eggs, to melt plastic. Okay, gotcha. Burn ants. Didn't Evan and Caitlin try cooking an egg with epoxy heat, I believe? I I feel like I remember that. I don't remember that, but I'm curious to know Sounds how Sounds like it it's in their wheelhouse, Do you know too. If it worked? I, don't, I don't remember. I don't think I saw it. I just, I just feel oh, like man. I saw that as a thumbnail or heard them talk about it or something. I don't know. Epoxy gets hot, so I definitely think it could be possible. You could, like, sous vide it. In there warm you go. Look at that. Early on in the episode, we're already getting food analogy. I love it. A lot of talk. Yeah, we're getting creative last already. Last week, there was a lot of food <laughs> talk this week, right off the bat. But hey, you know what we should do since it's the 4th of talk July? Talk about hot dogs? No, I was going to say introduce ourselves really quickly Ooh, for the new listeners. Idea. Everybody's on vacation right now celebrating the 4th and America's independence because we're the greatest country in the world. And, uh, you know, I figure we should say who we are and what we do for anybody that doesn't know us yet. Why don't you go well, first, I'm Chris? Well, I'm Chris. I have a channel called Four Eyes. Not Four Eyes Furniture, although some people call it that. Um, I build mid-century modern inspired furniture for the most part and explore a lot of lately video game-based ideas, it seems like. Actually, I put out a video today that somebody was like, hey, those are Minecraft blocks. And I said, I didn't think about that, but yes, they are. And yeah, that's what I do. What do you do, Mike? Who are you? That's awesome. Well, my name's Mike Montgomery. I'm 23 years old, and <laughs> I build things that are just approachable and accessible. I take construction lumber and plywood and I turn it into really cool DIY Let projects. Let me ask you this. And I also am... What oh, kind of walks ahead. do you like on the beach? Short walks. Nice. Yeah. I mean, just that extra sand resistance. You just get tired quick. No, no need for a long walk. Good call. Lately, I've been getting into home renovation type stuff, and hopefully we'll be flipping houses soon. So that's what you need to know about me. What about you, Ben? What do we need to know? My name's Ben. Uh, I just got done building a shipping container house, backgrounds in architecture, and sort of go between plotting my next big architecture project, which I'll be documenting on YouTube, and sort of doing probably like two to three DIY projects a month. That's awesome. So now people get a little bit of an idea of what we do, which is kind of funny because our topic today is going to be about what we would do differently if we could go back in time. But before that, let's talk about what we've been up to since we were able to talk last. So Chris, you yep. just mentioned you were working on something that is basically made of Minecraft bricks. So let's hear about it. Yeah, so it isn't exactly that, but I put out the video for the, <laughs> I the LG projector bench. and Oh yeah, I just saw the thumbnail. You posted it the day that we're recording. Yeah, like it literally just came out two hours ago or whatever from when we're okay. recording this. And I, got, I, I didn't even think about it as I was doing it, but you know, so it's a bench that's made up of three blocks basically. And people are like, oh, those are Minecraft grass blocks. Cause they're like kind of brownish on the bottom cause of the wood. And then the top is a cushion that looks kind of like green. And I'm like, yeah, those are totally Minecraft blocks. And I didn't think about that at all when I was building it. And it's funny too, because Mike Clifford and I have been going back and forth about like doing some sort of Minecraft inspired build down the down the road to collaborate on, but apparently I already did it. You beat him to the punch. Beat him to the, beat him and myself to the punch. 
So this was the project that we did quite a bit of brainstorming on the podcast for. Yeah. So I'm excited to see the video and I'm really excited to see what all you did. But what was the big takeaway? Like what was the cool functionality or like the the little bit of twist you added to it? You know, I mean, it ended up being very basic, like for all the talk that we did about it. It was one <laughs> of those things where it was just like so rigid because of the sponsorship angle of it, I guess I'll say, that doing any kind of change required so much explaining and pivoting that like time just didn't allow for it. So yeah. I kind of talked about this on the podcast before, but it ended up being, I mean, it, it was still my idea. It was something that I pitched. So I have to stand behind it at least that much, but there were some other ideas that I liked better that I didn't get to do, but you know, mm -hmm. I could always save those in the Rolodex and pull them out next summer or something like that. Who knows? But it came out pretty cool. You know, it's, it actually is a very functional piece for the backyard in terms of like, you know, we can store stuff in it, sit on them when we're hanging out, having a party or whatever. And they do convert over to make it like a little chase type thing that we can use to watch a movie. So it's cool. It's functional. We'll, we'll definitely get some good use out of it. Well, that's cool. I got to ask, yep. what is your finishing process for outdoor projects, especially considering you're using outdoor plywood right you're not using solid solid lumber no so these ones have white oak on like the fronts of everything and then it's just mm -hmm. it's plywood on the rest of it i just use yeah. maker brand simple finish it's not in direct sunlight so it's really not going to get too much weather like it's pretty much sitting in the corner of a patio closest to the house so the Got only it. time it even gets sun on it is like as the sun is setting and it's very low and not that harsh and it's a very little amount per day and mm -hmm. in terms of like rain or other kind of weather, you know, it would be pretty impossible for rain to get on it there. If it did, I've got bigger problems than those getting wet. <laughs> yeah, got to worry about the roof overhead. Exactly. Well, that's cool. That's awesome. I'm I'm excited to check out the video. What have you been up to, Bis? Bis oh wow, Bisquick. Holy cow! It's called Bisquick. I have not had a tongue tie like that in a little while. What have you been up to, Ben? I know you're traveling. You're in New York right now, right? I just hit the publish button on a video for the kids' bed with storage. Yeah, really good uh, home organization project. <laughs> it was funny. It it was an interesting thing. I almost I almost went did another pass at kind of editing and because I was shooting in this like New York apartment ground floor with like terrible lights. They just had like a few incandescent bulbs. I was traveling really light. I was just using the GoPros. Yeah. So like the color of like the video is just not, it's a, <laughs> it's a fantastic project that does exactly what it's supposed to do. It took a really messy mm. cluttered room and by designing a couple key simple pieces of furniture, just making right angle cuts with a circular saw Minimal tools, plywood, and two-by-fours. We completely cleaned up and organized this space in a really efficient way. But this kind of the, the, the subjective designer in me just gets kind of annoyed when... Like, I, I have more lax standards than you guys do for general kind of lighting quality of the footage. But this was, like, kind of yellowy. <laughs> so I was like, kind of, oh, should I do another pass? But it's not really going to make it better. I'm just going to be fussing around. So finally just decided, you know what? Just post it. Get it done. The actual geometry and design layout and instructional content's good. Stop, stop worrying about the little things and move on to the next things. Yeah, which is important because I'm getting like a little bit overbooked, right, with uh, travel stuff. So right now I'm in New York. I was just meeting with the comedian Andrew Schultz because little mini announcement: Mike and I are going to be building out his new podcast headquarters. 
Gang, gang. Nice. So Andrew's a comedian that does really well with stand-up. And what's interesting is that he's sort of known within the comedy circles for releasing content on YouTube. Whereas other people are kind of waiting for Netflix, he sort of realizes just go where the people are. He's got a bunch of videos with over a million views. Got a, got a very strong channel. I think he just passed like uh, half a million subscribers. And uh, he does a couple really big podcasts, particularly the one with uh, Charlemagne uh, from The Breakfast Club. He, he does the one called the, the Brilliant Idiots. I really enjoy his work. It does come with a parental advisory for explicit lyrics <laughs> and mature subject matter. So, you know, maybe yeah. not throw it on in the minivan, Chris, when uh, when Seven's in the back. <laughs> unless you, uh, unless you just... What are you talking about? That's a ridge line. It's all ridge line. Uh, unless you really want uh, Seven to develop some really sophisticated uh, cursing, which he probably could have gotten from one of our previous episodes. That's true. He's been bleeping all yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in New York to do that. This space is going to be a lot of fun because it's uh, they're going to record two of their podcasts there, the Inside Jokes, the Flagrant 2, and then or actually three, and then also uh uh, eventually the Brilliant Idiots podcast will all be recorded there. So there's also like a big lounge area where we're going to design some pretty cool furniture for the, this lounge. And it's, it's an awesome space. I just saw it. It's got 14-foot ceilings. It's a big brick Oh, wow, loft. perfect. There's also this really cool, we met with the landlord, there's this really cool fire escape, steel, wrought iron kind of balcony that they can actually put outdoor furniture. So there's even going to be that kind of component. I think this might be a good place, Mike, for the heated furniture since it gets oh, yeah. cold in New York. They are even thinking about things like a Andrew's a big basketball fan. So I've been researching getting a real like NBA style glass backboard and putting it up. No Papa shot, no Dave and Buster's kind of like lame man cave stuff. We, we want to do this like high end design, look really cool, but still have a ton of, ton of uh, fun stuff. Yeah. Super pro. The other thing, the last thing they just sort of suggested, we, I was just brainstorming with him, and he wants to know if we can build a pedicab uh, bicycle. Huh. I'm like, oh. Now that's like one of the tricycle Yeah, this would be like right? the perfect Laura Kampf project. Like, it really he's would. Like, so occasionally he likes the idea of like if a guest was taking the subway, he would ride the pedicab and pick them up and they would like <laughs> film that, pick him up from the subway station. Like they just want to do silly stuff. <laughs> yeah. And just make that like a little show segment or a little like Instagram clip, yeah, something like so, that. They, they, he, well, it's more because he wanted to call it getting petty and you just talk about yeah. petty things that you're pissed off about while you get <laughs> driven around in a pedicab. After coming off of the subway where there's plenty to complain about, but I'm sure. I immediately thought, okay, that's that works. But I thought the more creative idea that's more of the moment would be, uh, you know how these like cities have these like scooters, these electric scooters everywhere. Yeah, yeah. They're just they're just Birds. terrible. So I was thinking like, no, get get your whole staff, like three of them, on these scooters, and then just make like a like a kind of like a dog sled on wheels <laughs> that hooks up to this like <laughs> that you just and like you right tow it. and there's like three straps <laughs> to three backpacks <laughs> and it's like three people on scooters towing like a dog sled down New York like it would be so stupid but hilarious I kind of right. think that would be like, like a would Casey totally Neistat type video that would do well like if you if you had a dog sled going down uh, New York put it on some skateboard wheels pulled by three scooters yeah i'm down with that that's really funny i wonder what the tow capacity a bird scooter has oh uh i i mean the capacity not great i think it's more a question of how fast can you get with what capacity but with three of them that's what i'm kind of thinking i think three would do it because 
I'm imagining they've got to rate them for a pretty heavy dude. And so if you got three, you know, relatively normal sized people, it can't be too much extra to just have a have a small little cart on wheels. Right, so just get eight of them and do like a reindeer type situation. Yeah. So I've been thinking Christmas about how video. to do it in the, the half hour since I've left that meeting. So, <laughs> yeah. So for the audience, I yeah, check out Andrew's stuff and hit him up and uh, tell him that we sent you over. This this could be this, this will probably be like an ongoing thing. So I met with like the landlord and it's a big open loft space. And so I'm giving him right now like some floor plans to kind of divide up the space into studios. And that's the landlord's responsibility as part of the lease agreement to build out these partitions and, and stuff like that. So Mike and I will be going into like a really clean uh, space. It's all white. Oh, and guess what we're doing to those wood yeah. floors? We're painting them white. Are we painting them white? <laughs> oh, you son of a gun. <laughs> People are going to be so I know. mad. <laughs> do they? Uh, but I gotta ask: Are the floors in They're real really rough, rough shape, shape, or would they? Yeah, yeah, and it's not okay. nice wood. So okay, I'm sure people will still complain. But you know what? Bleep them. Bleep yeah. them. <laughs> Self censorship. <laughs> so that's been fun. And then, so I'm gonna go back to California tomorrow, and then I'll be there for a few days, uh, working on finishing up the deck and learning about low voltage lighting with uh, for the project I'm doing with InLight. And then I'm going to Rotterdam. Do you know what country that's in? Oh, no. I think I'm going to guess like it's somewhere in the Netherlands. It is the Netherlands. Woo! Dang. Geography, baby. (laughs) I'm doing a a series of trips for Mini uh, to reveal their new Mini Electric concept that they're coming out with. And uh, so they're owned by BMW. So they're sending me... Kind of all over the place, and it's it's weird too. Like I've I've been a lot of a lot of places in the world, but they're sending me some some places that are definitely uh, I haven't been to. So really excited! Like uh, Rotterdam is kind of known for having a, a a very strong design culture. So I'm gonna be there for like three or four days. So check the Instagram stories to see a little. It's it's funny when I've done the kind of museum tours, like the 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 fall off on them is pretty minimal, and so I think it's kind of fun to to kind of sh- you know traveling. Thousands of miles to see a museum is probably not something a lot of people can do. So hopefully I'll get to share a little bit of cool design culture. I think in particular, the Scandinavian cities, the way they make themselves bicycle friendly as like a viable means of transportation is like, it's just really cool. Like, especially like being in like LA or in New York where there's just traffic everywhere. Like having like a fantastic way where you can get around a city, like a, a dense city fast on a bicycle or scooter is like, it's it just makes sense, and it's not that hard to do. You just kind of, kind of organize it and commit to it. So, yeah. a lot of travel, a little bit of design, but yeah, it's been uh, it's going to be a crazy next. Actually, I'm kind of the next. This whole rest of this year is going to be pretty packed and, and and kind of insane. Man, I'm right there with you. I'm gonna have. I'm starting to have to say no to a lot more opportunities lately, which I'm super grateful for. And uh, yeah, it's cool to see where things are going. It's really exciting. So I've got to ask, though, have you gotten a chance to sit in one of the new, the Mini Coopers, the electric ones yet? Or have you seen the concept? They haven't officially, they've just said it's a concept. They're not even saying, like, I'm not supposed to say vehicle or things like that. It's a very strict brief. That's what I'm figuring, yeah. Okay. So cool. I don't know exactly what I'm getting in for. I just know, like, some of the first legs of the of the trip that I'm going to be going on. It's The trip is spread out, so I'm going to be doing stuff for Mini for pretty much the rest of the year. And it's it's interesting too because 
the the marketing team is all based out of Germany. It's this company called Pulse Marketing. And they, they just do things very differently than in the US. It's like very deliberate. It's very high end. They spend a lot more money. It's very detail oriented. Like the briefs they you get, like down to like the coloring of the lighting. Like they rejected some of the images they wanted me to, to post because it was too blue. They want it to be more orange because they want when you click on the hashtag for it all to match. Right. So parts have been have been sort of interesting and, and challenging. But overall, like like most sort of like European or particularly sort of like German things, it's so well organized and disciplined. And then the people are like super friendly and really polite. Yeah. So it's just that that part on from the business side has been kind of interesting just to see. Oh, the other interesting thing, too, is that in Europe, they're they're really conscious about and fastidious about the kind of marking things as advertisements and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like there's a really high ethical standard to to for the disclosure and, and all these types of things. There's a lot more sort of regulation on on how they do things. So that part's kind of been been interesting to see as well. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's funny whenever you work with a with a ad, like an advertising agency on gigs, you never know. It could be the greatest experience. It could really be the worst depending on how much they have their shit together versus, you know, what they're expecting and all that. So that's cool to hear that it's going well. How many how many different cities are you going to be, end up going to throughout the year? I know of at least three, and there could be more after that. But I don't. All as of now, I know three different cities on three different continents, and they're all so unique. Which is especially considering they're in three different continents. I didn't realize that until now. But I mean, Rotterdam is somewhere that you know you wouldn't really go to unless you had a reason. You know, unless you'd been to other places in the area. Aren't you going somewhere like Hong Kong or somewhere like in the in like Asia somewhere? Yeah, Rotterdam and Shanghai are like the first two. Shanghai, Rotter- that'll be yeah. crazy. They they all sound like places where like early minor plot developments in a James Bond movie happen. <laughs> yeah, or like, or Jason oh. or Jason Statham since it's Mini Cooper, right? Yes. Oh, speaking of Jason Statham, have you guys been watching that bottle cap challenge thing? I saw a little bit where they kick the cap off. With like a yeah, roundhouse. I, I was trying to think what would be the maker equivalent of that. I think it would be like getting it off, flicking it off with like a chainsaw where you don't, where you're just getting it close enough. You know, I haven't even seen it yet. I'm going to have to look it up while you all talk about this. Really early in the podcast, we talked about the idea of doing like a cut a bottle in half type thing. Right. Oh. Do you remember? I think something like that would be the equivalent. Like we're like, so yeah, there'd be a process, but then like letting people come up with a different way to come to the same end. Yeah, I like it. Mike's looking up the uh, bottle cap challenge. It's a good slow-mo. We're going to get first impressions. Here we go. Live on dun, the dun, air. Dun, 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 dun. You know, I mean, it looks like this guy can do it. That's a good kick to be able to do that without even moving the bottle at all. Yeah, you just got to barely graze that cap, I guess, right? Just like yeah, get I've the heard, toe on I've it. Heard, I've heard Jason Statham is super legit, so that's pretty cool. That's awesome. What am yeah. I working on? Is that what you were asking? Yeah. Bottle cap Yeah, kicks. what am I working on? No. Um, so the, the outdoor patio renovation that I've been talking about for the past, you know, episode or so yeah. is going really well. I've kind of moved past laying out the patio and now I'm towards the working on the fences now. It's got two different fences in the space. One of them is going to be sort of a fence upgrade. So I'm going to keep the existing picket fence, but I'm going to kind of paint it and then add a cool kind of element on top of everything else to give it a little bit of dimension. And then the other fence I'll be making from scratch. It was an old plastic white 
kind of picket fence. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not they're not bad, but they're cheap and they look cheap. So I tore that one out and I'm going to be replacing it with a steel and cedar fence. So steel posts, so it's super rigid and it never leans like the other fence kind of does. And uh and yeah, I'll have some cedar fence posts going horizontally rather than vertically. I think that'll be a cool little twist on everything. So, I've been outside, I've been sweating. It's officially summer and it's humid as heck here in Oklahoma. It's hilarious. It gets a lot hotter in Joshua Tree, but you still don't sweat as much as I do back home. I've been running through shirts in about like 15 minutes being outside. <laughs> but I guess it's a good thing. It's better than being out in the cold. I definitely prefer the heat. But aside from that, I got a call from Rustoleum, who's a company that I've worked with and you guys have worked with a decent amount. And they're running a sort of campaign to... I think their quote is to spray joy into projects. Their whole idea is, well, first off, then slow down, slow down. I might have said it wrong. I might have said it wrong. (laughs) But their whole thing is, you know, the pitch is basically everybody's watching this Marie Kondo show tidying up, you know, and they're getting rid of the things that don't spark joy in their life. Mm. And so lately, this is something that they were telling me, which I'm assuming is true is that thrift stores are sort of dealing with a surplus of donations more than they typically do during spring cleaning. And I guess they're attributing a lot of this to this whole kind of tidying up craze that's going on. And so they're working with an agency, kind of like what you were talking about earlier, Ben. And this agency was sort of looking for a rush kind of turnaround on a project. And what they wanted is for me to find something from a thrift store And then just recreate it into something new. Find something that needed a little bit of TLC and just upcycle it. So me and Caleb uh, went around to thrift stores. He was filming me, which was an interesting experience. Having a guy run around with you through thrift stores filming because everyone there was confused what I was doing and why I was doing it. And a couple of thrift stores even turned me down. They're like, no, you can't film in here. Really? And I was surprised by that because I had my, you know, Nice guy, Mike, smile. I was super polite. I gave him a really good pitch. I told him, you know, I just got to get a couple shots really quick so I can kind of tell the story. I'll be sure Let not to spray film my it. joy. Yeah, <laughs> I just got to spray joy. I won't, I won't spray joy on anyone else, only the, only the project itself. But I was telling him, I was like, I won't, I won't film anybody. I'm going to respect everybody's privacy. It's going to be super kosher. But no, nah, so, there was a couple stores that were just like, nope. And I was kind of bummed out because one of the stores was the thrift store in my area that's sort of known for having a really large kind of furniture and home goods section rather than just, you know, clothes and and things like that. But all that to say, we went around, went hunting for some pieces. I found a really cool flip top dresser, I think is what this is. So I'm going to try my best to describe it accurately. Basically, from the bottom up, it's basically just a classic dresser. But then the Mm -hmm. top section is a flip-down writing desk or maybe okay. a flip-down vanity. And so my my idea initially was, you know, and, and maybe this is telling that I should not drink as much alcohol, but my immediate reaction was, <laughs> oh, I can turn that into a bar. <laughs> and so I uh, I took out the, the dressers at the bottom and I turned that into open storage for, you know, glasses and bottles and things like that. Right. And then that fold-down desk is now a fold-down bar top. So you can mix a drink. And everything is super compact, so you can sort of store it on one of those walls that everybody has in their living room or in their kitchen, dining space, where it's just, you know, a relatively 
weird wall that you just really don't know what to put there. Yeah. This could kind of fit in there. It tucks away, but it adds a little bit of functionality to the space. So is so, this a, like how in depth are you getting in terms of how much work you're having to do? Or is this more just like take some things apart, sand, paint type of deal? It's a lot more of that. And that was what's kind of weird about this whole situation is all this content is going to end up going on Rustoleum's Instagram, mainly okay. their IGTV. So not for your YouTube. Exactly. So I filmed it. The agency that I'm working with gave me a really in-depth in-depth shot list, which I appreciated really I really appreciated. Yeah. They basically were like make sure you get this shot, this shot, this shot, X Y and Z while you're at the thrift store. Make sure and get, you know, these shots during the build process and we really really want a couple of specific finished shots. So it was really great because I'm not going to be editing the content, which means in a perfect world, I upload all this footage, I Dropbox it to them, and then I get the video content back. Yeah. And I really hope that I'm able to send all that footage and they don't need anything else and I'm able just to get it back and not have to do any reshoots. And I'm really hoping that them giving me that really specific shot list is going to ultimately ultimately lead to that happening. It's funny because whenever you're working with you know brands or agencies or whatever, there's the the best or most ideal situation for me is always when they're just like, "Hey, you know your audience better than we do. Do what you do, and we want to just support that." Right? That's the best. Then totally. there's like that other side of the spectrum, kind of like what you're talking about and what Ben was talking about, where it's very detailed and we want you to do this, this, and this. And that's fine. That's actually, for me, the second best thing. What you don't want is when they are vague at first and then it turns out like, oh no, we actually want you to do all these things. Right, where they tell you, oh, we just love what you do. Yeah. But they, but, but internally, they have a very specific vision that they just failed to tell you about. Yeah, or like if you wanted something very specific, but you're telling the other person like, oh no, yeah, whatever you want to do, whatever you, well, if you could make it, uh, you know, add a little bit more salt actually, but whatever you want is fine. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, but hopefully, hopefully this ends up going really smoothly. So far it's gone really, really great. And they, you know, I'm kind of coming through for them in a big way because they needed all this content by the end of, by the end of June. Mm-hmm. And they reached out to me with eight days before the end of the month. Right. And so it was something where, you know, I was able to kind of charge a little bit of a rush fee, which is always great. But I also kind of came through for Rustoleum, which is a brand that, you know, I've worked with quite a bit and I really value. So hopefully it's one of those win-win situations. Very nice. What are we yeah. talking about this week? Well, I, we got a great listener question, which we've solicited for uh, the last couple episodes. And we will talk about that as soon as we come back from this week's sponsor. Hey, we're back from this week's sponsor because we don't have one. Oh, we don't have a sponsor this week? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Dang it. But you it was such a smooth, you know, it in. was good. It was good for just the practice of the segue. So yeah, we're definitely leaving that in. We're leaving that in. Maybe we should come up with a fake sponsor one of these days. All right. This episode is brought to you by Roundhouse Kicks for bottle openers. By Jason openers. Statham. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. That's awesome. All right. Well, this week's question is from a listener, Andy Toth. Thank you, Andy. And he asks, you know, he asked a relatively longer question, but the abridged version is, you guys have been doing this for a while. What is something that you would tell yourself five years ago that you wish you knew then? So it's a life advice question. What right, would you change if you could go back in time? I'll be quick and just use this as a launching off point, but maybe we'll have more to say later. But the first thing that just pops right into my head was don't overthink it. 
which is something that I definitely did because, you know, obviously it hasn't been five years, but it's probably almost now this is been talking five about- years since I first became starting a YouTube channel. Is that or just general life advice? Don't have kids. Oh, wait, no, my kid's six. Never mind. That wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm assuming it's talking about like, you know, building things and creating content. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, I wanted to do it probably about five years ago, but I was just like on the pot, you know, waiting to do it or whatever. And so I would have told myself jumping quicker sooner than later is going to be better than like taking your time to try to perfect it before you get in there. I think that's awesome advice for, I mean, for YouTube, for one thing, but just life at large, right? There's so many times that people just hesitate on things and then the opportunity passes or you just aren't able to get as much out of something as you could have if yeah. you were early to it. Or you even and, talk yourself out of it or something else yeah. comes up. Or, yeah, there's all kinds of things that can happen. And that kind of reminds me of a little bit of throwback to where you were talking about what you had been working on, Ben, like the, the bed that you were building and the lighting not being as good as you hoped. But that was sort of where at least I was, and I know you were at, Ben. Chris, you started at a pretty high level of production value. But we both started out with long. basic, basic, basic footage. Like our lighting was – my lighting was bad. I, I think you would agree that your lighting wasn't as good as it is now. And there's so much about, you know – it's just like looking back on videos. If I was making that same video now, I would be disappointed in myself. But in hindsight, you look at it and you're like, man, I'm just glad I got started. I'm just glad I got the ball rolling and I was able to sort of incrementally improve as I was able to still get content out. So I think that goes for content, but I also think that that just goes for building things in general. Even before I was building anything, the project, or I'm sorry, even before I was filming anything, the projects I was making then, I wouldn't be proud of building now. But at the time, they were awesome and they were amazing. And just the feat of having an idea and seeing it realized was like so worth it and so valuable that it's sort of that thing that gets the snowball rolling. And then it just picks up steam from there. You start yeah. getting like really interested in it. You start researching it more and more. And then the end product becomes more valuable to you. So that justifies you spending more effort and more time to make something cooler. Yeah, you know, so this is kind of tangential to this question, but it's something that I think we all get asked a lot where people are basically soliciting advice about like starting a channel or whatever. And one of the questions that I'll get a lot from those kind of people or from those people is like, how do you get sponsors or how long did it take you to get sponsors and that kind of thing? And I always think like if you go into it, worrying about that, you're really probably setting yourself up for disappointment because there's no good answer to it. First off, I mean, it could happen right away. Maybe you just are the greatest in the world and brands are going to be knocking down your door, or it could be years and years before you ever, if ever get an opportunity to. And so like when I started, one of the things was that I've talked about this before, but I had kind of resigned myself to being okay with doing this losing money for, you know, two years. And I had assumed that like, oh, there's going to be like a couple hundred people watching my videos. And I had kind of like decided that I was okay with that if that's the way that it went and I would be willing to do it either way. Thankfully that didn't happen. But if you go in like assuming like, oh, you're going to have all this success after three months and you're going to be having these brand deals, it's going to be really hard to stay the course, I think. If it doesn't happen. Exactly. Yeah. I, Which, I totally see where you're coming from. I mean, and, but a and lot of that is chances are it's not gonna. All right, so here's my question, Chris. Does it seem like the motive is wrong, or do you think it's just putting the cart before the horse? I think it's both. I think it's yeah. Th don't go in with that motivation. Like it definitely can happen, 
Mm -hmm. but thinking that there's like a groundwork or there's this like thing that you can do that's going to ensure it. It's not like the only thing you can do is worry about making the best stuff that you can. Like that's really the only thing that's in your control. I think. I think so. I would say, so my advice is always just build an audience and the things will come. And so I think what you're saying is just like build the coolest things you can. Yes. Yes. And then I guess my, my little add on to it would be build the coolest things you can that also appeals to the audience you want to build. Right. So and like, it's you know what in I, the in the wheelhouse of whatever it is you want to do so that it's sustainable. Yeah. But that's what you've been doing lately, which is why I think your content has just been crushing is it seems like in the past six months, maybe a little bit longer than that, with like the crayon tables, the the switch TV kind of build out, everything you've been doing lately has seemed to be a lot more like personalized to you. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I think the content is still performing really well, which is encouraging because it also lets people like get to know you better. And it's cool for me to see because I do know you and it's awesome to see that stuff shine through. Yeah, I think that's I mean, it's probably mostly come from just being able to go full time and having more time to actually spend building things than I had before. But yeah, I mean, I think that it's funny because if you look at my content, it is varied in terms of being like kind of goofy, whimsical things and then like high end furniture. And but that's you. Exactly. That's what I say. Those are like, they're different things, but those are the two things that appeal to me most. And so it's nice to see that like, there's definitely a big crossover in the Venn diagram of people who that content is, or people who are interested in that sort of content. But I think at the same time, there probably are those two separate audiences, but it shows that you can have like separate audiences who, you know, this half enjoys your content for this reason and this other half enjoys it for this other reason. And then there's going to be some crossover. Yeah. And hopefully each video has a little bit of both for, to kind of get everybody through. So if it's like a really intense build out, you've got a few quirky jokes and you make sure you have a couple of like good voiceover moments for everybody that loves, you know, your whimsical side, but on the, on the projects like the crayon river table, like it, that still wasn't a a simple project. Right. Or even Even the the switch, like, you know, that was the first time I'd done curve bending. So I, went through like how I figured out where I was going to place my curves to make the radius that I wanted to. So there's still like technical bits in there for being, you know, ultimately kind of a dumb, goofy project. Yeah. And I think that's, and and all that to say is like, I think over the past six months, year, your content has, and I don't know if there's something that's like super apparent to you, but from my perspective, it seems like over the past little while, like your content seems to be like really rounding out, like really well. I've been really loving what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, 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 for sure. What about you, Ben? What's something that you would tell a five years younger Ben who was still in his 30s? <laughs> oh, boy. Shots the fired. First, the first number one would be never rely too much on advice that can be easily put into numerical and bullet pointed lists. I thought you were going to say advice from a podcast. <laughs> that being yeah. said, that seems to be the only type of advice that can really resonate with people uh, over the long term is things that are kind of succinct. So understanding that complicated, nuanced, deep advice often doesn't really become absorbed until (laughs) right at the moment it's needed. I guess the thing would be one is to be honest with yourself about what you want. I think when people start, they often temper expectations too much. And they say, oh, you know, I'm just doing, they make it so clear before anyone asks them, just doing this for fun. I'm just doing this for fun. It's like they're 
they're qualifying it. It's like people are afraid to be audacious and say, yeah. you know what? I want to do this, and I think I got great ideas, and I want to share them with a lot of people. Right. It's this this kind of – it's not false humility because I think a lot of people are humble and are genuinely questioning whether or not they're going to be able to pull it off. But they go on this big elaborate show of demonstrating how aw shucks they are. And, you know, I've caught myself doing that at time, and I think it's just a waste of time. Like, it's okay to have expectations, and it's okay not to meet them. But you don't need to, like, uh, if you're not honest with yourself about what you actually want to get out of this thing, then I feel like you're. it's going to make decision-making later more complicated. So, you know, I knew I wanted to build audience, and I knew I wanted to do things that I that I liked. And sometimes those two different priorities are at odds. And sometimes it went one way and sometimes it went the other. But I tried to be, you know, I think the, the more honest you are, uh, the easier it is to not be comp- completely consistent all the time without causing a lot of like angst and wasted time and trying to figure that stuff out. So I would say just, just being honest about what you want to get out of whatever you're doing. Yeah, and being then, all in. Right. And then the other thing, once, once you're sort of honest about what you want to do it, just be prolific. Forget trying to be too strategic. If you if you naturally tend towards someone that's really good at chess, then play chess. But this is also a game of volume and longevity. So there was no figuring out, you know, if I spent months figuring out the perfect project and then executing it perfectly and then spent another week figuring out the best SEO strategy and the best thumbnails, I would have been better off just producing six to eight projects rather than that one. And just figuring it out as I went. Now that I've kind of, you know, uh, built up a library, now it, I, I can sort of publish things a little bit less quickly and, and really do what I like. Also because, like, the learning curve on just doing more is getting, uh, is diminishing. Meaning I don't get as a, my intellectual capital doesn't increase as much as it used to. For the first two years, every project I did was new. So I was getting massive intellectual capital gains with every project I increase, which was then opening up, unlocking new doors. So it's like a video game. You can blow through the early levels really fast, but then all of a sudden getting past each level might take increasing, an increasing amount of time. Right. So I would say just early on, the, the five years ago advice would be just be honest with yourself and be as prolific as you can in exhausting and getting all of your ideas out there. Let me ask okay, you guys Okay, so I've got a question. Hang on really quick, Chris. Yes. Okay, go for it. I don't, because I think, I think mine's going to go back and yours might go forward. Yeah. Where were you five years ago? Put us there. Me? Yeah, both of you guys. And I'll I do the same. was in Boston and I was probably about like almost a year into my YouTube channel. Cool. And was probably sitting at about 30,000 subscribers. And at this time, that was the main focus. Like you were all in on this. You had kind of switched from the architecture firm being your main yeah, focus. Yeah, I was, I was all in on content creation. I was still doing way more focus on sort of web and creating project plans and step-by-step blog posts than I was on the video. So the video was kind of like a big part of it, but wasn't as as clear of a focus as it is now. That's cool. And Chris, this is still whenever you're you're working graphic design and marketing, right? Yeah. So I, I, the timeline might be a little fuzzy, but around that time, so I would have we would have had our first kid. He was like a year old, and that really like sparked a I have to do more with my life moment with me. Oh, I bet. Yeah, and so I was getting my master's degree and kind of transitioning 
into a different career and had wanted to actually do, and I was building furniture, although meanwhile, um, you know, selling furniture. And I had, that was at the time that like I'd wanted to do this, but there were like so many other things that I felt like I had to do. So part of like the delay actually in me starting a YouTube channel was actually a career change and then getting kind of settled in at that career for about a year where it became like, you know, I kind of started to coast in that and started thinking like, well, what's next? Like, am I going to just like hop to the next job or am I going to try to do something on my own? So like this kind of goes back actually to, or falls in line with the question that I was going to ask and what Ben was talking about, about like, you know, what do you want to get out of this? And so for me at that time, what I would have wanted to get out of this was obviously, yeah, I did want it to become a career, but I also just, I felt like I always wanted a career that was more creative where I could be more creative on my terms. And I saw this as an opportunity to do that. And I always felt like I was going to do that, but I never knew what form it was going to take. And so it was kind of like, I'm going to try this out. And I think this could be that thing that I've been waiting for. So my question was going to be compared to what, whatever it was that you wanted to get out of it, you know, not being humble and all shucksy, like whatever you thought that you had to bring to the table and what you wanted to get out of that. How has that changed or is it the same thing that it was that initially got you into it or is it something new now? I thought when I got into this that I had to do projects that a certain type of like craft DIY crafty audience would like and I was wrong. So that's why I did those projects early on. It wasn't because I liked them. It was because I thought that was the stuff I saw on the internet and I assumed that that's what the internet liked. Instead of saying, no, I should do what I like, and I bet you a lot of people will like that. Right. So it was too much following and not enough leading early on, what I think was the, was the, the th- yeah, I, 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 I think people throw out the thing, I have no regrets, like way too much. Like, no, I, I regret that I didn't start bringing in more of my aesthetic and design interests earlier on into what I was doing. I, I, I thought like, oh, this is the kind of stuff I see on BuzzFeed, and these people are pros, and they must have like a team sort of analyzing it and knowing that this is what audience wants. And now I know that's not true. They just hire like people that aren't as good at what we do as we are <laughs> and uh, work them really, really hard and mm-hmm. just try to squeeze as much content out of them as possible. And that's why their stuff is effective, but often seems derivative. I don't know how many times people send me like, you know, five minute craft or BuzzFeed things where they've taken something that someone in our community sort of created and and done like a crappier version of it. Right. So I think, you know, the, that, that those were the things that I, that I, I sort of, I, I do regret a little bit was just not moving faster and just realizing, no, the, you know what the internet likes <laughs> new stuff. That's interesting. <laughs> you know, it may funny. take them a while to figure that out, but I mean, take a, you know, I, I would argue that the Joe Rogan podcast is the most popular podcast in, in the world. If you just look at like how big his production team is versus like if you just look at the top 10 rankings for just podcasts on Apple, like he's always got like two or three episodes in every week. Mm-hmm. And he's beating Much like out us like us in visual arts. Yeah. Yeah. We are <laughs> the Joe Rogan of visual arts. <laughs> so. No, no media company. New York Times, he, he beats them. He beats ESPN. He beats all these big giant, the biggest media companies in the world. He does better numbers with fewer people then. Mm-hmm. And it's not because a brilliant team of media strategists came. Oh, you know what you need? 
<laughs> you need one part conspiracy theories, one part bro science, a little bit of like face <laughs> punching and MMA, mix in some DMT and a whole lot of pot, occasionally bring in a Neil deGrasse Tyson or a really credible kind of like scientific journalist or an Elon Musk. Yeah. And then also mix in, mix in some really dirty comedy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the formula that's going to take you right to the top. Right. Right. No, no one knew that. He did it because uh, it was what, I mean, say what you want about him. Like, I don't listen to, I listen to probably like, maybe like one out of 10 of his podcasts, rarely to the whole thing because they are pretty long. But what I admire about him outside of the actual content is it's pretty clear he's doing exactly what he's interested in. And it created a, a huge audience. Yeah, not really making many concessions around it either. Right. And the, the the biggest competitive advantage of doing what you want, even if what you like is kind of niche, is that your motivation is always going to be top notch. And that's going to make it easy to outwork everybody else because you're motivated by your own interests. So, yeah, this, to kind of round it up, I, I think that would be the thing is, is I would really just focus on being prolific and I would rely on having the motivation of really trusting what I like and what I'm interested in design-wise. Sage words. Big time. You got anything else to add to that, Mike, while you take a sip of your LaCroix or you're good? <coughs> well, I, no, I got I'm a follow-up to that. Like, okay. what are projects that you guys have thought are interesting or good ideas that you've kind of held off on? Because you're just not sure if it's like, does this work as a project? I mean, I've, I did that with things that I have put out that I just have taken forever to get out, get around to. And they are things like the crayons and the Nintendo Switch that both like sat on the back burner for a long time. And not necessarily because I thought that they were bad ideas. Like I thought they were cool ideas because those were the things that like when I think of them that I get the most excited about. And so that is what appeals to me most is whenever I am excited about something. But um, like something not necessarily a project but just like business wise i would say plans has been a big thing for me that like i've really stumbled to get out of the gate on that i've wanted to do for a long time and like part of me is like do it sooner than later but then i don't know there's it's it's weird even though i give that advice like it's hard taking that advice sometimes even though i'm the one giving it i am i will say that i am glad that i haven't put them out yet and that's because I'm hopefully going to have a big announcement coming pretty soon that I'm laying all the groundwork for right now. And I'll just, I'll just leave it at that for now. I'm really excited to hear about that because I hope it is the announcement that I've been waiting for you to make for a while. So that's awesome. That's really Get cool. married again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Dolores, finally. We're going to renew those vows. There we go. You're no, build mine, the arboretum. So the, the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the the whole project idea that I haven't done really leans into the life advice that I would give myself five years ago. So five years ago, or actually, let's start by just saying this month will actually be my four-year anniversary of YouTubing. I think July 20th or somewhere around there was when I posted my first video. And so five years ago at this point, I was going to school uh, for music production. And this was right around the time that I was realizing that was not what I wanted my, my career to be even though I thought that that was what my career was going to be since I was about 12. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, from, from the time I was around, you know, 12, 13, up until, you know, going to college, pretty much the majority of my kind of like free time to kind of put towards anything that was, what would you say, like progress towards an end goal, constructive, mm -hmm. let's say that. <laughs> it was all towards that. And that was really what I put all my effort in. And, you know, and I, and I kind of found myself 
being good at something, but then realizing that even though I was good at it, I don't, I didn't think I would enjoy doing that for my whole life and dealing with the people that I would be dealing with. And so that was around the same time that I was building a lot of kind of, well, I was building a lot of music equipment and I was starting to build furniture kind of on the side as a little bit of a side hustle. Cause I've always had some kind of weird way of making money throughout my life. And, you know, I started kind of just building more and more things, acquiring more and more tools and skills, really just being more competent, being able to put things together. And I started finding a new hobby that I really enjoyed. And that sort of gave me the same feelings that I had whenever I started discovering music and recording music and all the and everything that goes behind making music, not really writing music. And so, you know, I kind of mulled over whether I was going to put more energy and time into that or if I was going to just completely figure out something else to do that would be a little bit more of a straight line towards a career and like reliable money and something dependable so that when I had a family, it was dependable. But, you know, we've all been talking about like, you know, five years ago, I would just say go all in. Five years ago, I would have said, you know, just be aggressive and go for it. And I totally did go for it. Like I dropped out of school to start a YouTube channel and like I had a certain amount of money saved that kind of allowed me to do that. And I sort of gave myself like a one-year window. I said, you know, if I can turn a YouTube channel into something that would make me enough money to continue doing it in one year, I would keep doing it. But if I didn't, then I would, by, by, by the rules that I set for myself, I would have to quit and find something else to do. Probably go back to school and get some sort of like business degree or something that I knew I would have hated, but, you know, would have led to like a good job. And so that was sort of what I did. I quit school, moved back to my parents' place so that I could keep my outgoing expenses really low. And I just built things and sort of a little bit of the advice that you were giving Ben is like, just be prolific. Let that be the all consuming thing. And that was sort of what I did. And it worked out, you know, by the end of that first year, I had enough of an audience. I think I was somewhere close to 100,000 subscribers. I had picked up a couple of sponsors. Ryobi was working with me. Rockler was working with me, a couple of companies that I really value and appreciate big time. And so I wouldn't really change much, which I'm really grateful for, even though there's a lot of small things that I would change and a lot of things with hindsight I would do differently. The broad spectrum of it all, I really wouldn't change much. The one thing that I would do differently and the one piece of advice that I would give, especially to like younger people that don't have as many responsibilities, maybe somebody that was, maybe somebody that's currently in the situation I was, I was then or even closer to the situation I am now is just... Don't be afraid to make the big move mm-hmm. and whatever that big move is just in life. Like if there's these things that you feel like you're called to do, like in your gut, you know it's right, but there's logistical things that hold you back or that, you know, sense of insecurity that everybody has to varying degrees. Maybe that's what's holding you back. Just don't let it be responsible. Take a zoomed out approach and, and, and be really critical with, with whatever idea you think is the thing that you need to do and try and cross-reference it as much as you can. Like, okay, if things go wrong, this will happen. Or this is, an, uh, this is something that could totally put a, put a hitch in my plan and, and try and really see it through as far as you can into the future. But if something becomes undeniable or like self-evident that this is what you need to do, once you recognize that, don't let anything else hold you back. Because there's a few things that, you know, throughout my journey, you know, there's things that I wish I would have done sooner. And these are silly things, but I think they're worth mentioning. Like, 
I think I made videos for about a year and a half before I started putting things on Instagram. And the funny reason for it is because like I was insecure and Instagram was like where my immediate friend group was at. That was where everybody I knew. That was where every everybody oh, okay. that would have judged me was at. Right. But no one would have judged me on YouTube because it's all blank faces. Nobody's, you know, it's all just people behind a computer. Yeah. If people want to be an asshole, then I really don't care. It doesn't affect me that much. But there's a lot of a there's a lot difference or there's a lot there's a big difference between that and interacting with the people that are immediate to you. And it should be the opposite thing. The people that you're close to or the people that you know personally should be the people that you should feel judged less by. But I don't think that was the case for me and I don't think that's the case in general. And so, you know, not doing Instagram for that long around the content I was producing, that doesn't really matter in the broad scope, but it would have helped marginally and it would have been good. And, you know, maybe my Instagram would be the same size as my YouTube and that would be cool and, you know, who knows. But I think more the takeaway from that is that's something that I knew I should have been doing. You know, I've been on Instagram since I was in middle school. uh, And that just kind of comes from a product of like, you know, just being a little bit younger and all that kind of stuff. But there's that same sort of thing has repeated throughout this this kind of like career path that I'm on. Also, I look at myself a year ago, not five years ago, but I look at myself a year ago, maybe two years ago. I had saved enough money. I had gathered enough skills and I had done enough things that I should have bought a house and I should have flipped it and I should have either sold it or have been renting it by now. I totally recognize that, but there's a lot of, you know, maybe this could go wrong or the, I guess like personal insecurity where it's such a big responsibility and there's so much possible downside that I, that I've, and I'm not now, but previously I I was scared to make that leap. Because, you know, what if I buy a house and then it's more than I it's more than what I'm cut out for or, you know, I get into a house that's got a lot more problems than I expected because I had a bad home inspector or, you know, one of these things where, you know, even though I did take that zoomed out approach and it was undeniable, that's that's what I needed to do. You know, when I when I've done bathroom, when I've done kitchen, when I've done any sort of renovation content, that's what kills. I mean, the attic renovation that I posted two or three weeks ago is that like a million, million and a half views already. And so I know that that's what, you know, the people that watch my content really enjoy. And I also know that that's what the internet at large likes. You know, there's how many cable networks that are dedicated to flipping houses. So I know the right. audience is there. It's undeniable. But I've given myself excuses and I've given myself reasons to let that insecurity come through and let that insecurity sort of kind of be the to be the determining factor. And so... I think going all in and I think, you know, don't be scared is is good advice. But I think really is the advice that I think the advice that I would really give is once you recognize, don't be scared. But it's really just like once you recognize an opportunity as being undeniably what you should do. Right. Don't let anything stop you and don't let yourself stop you. Yeah. The good news with that is that even though you had those reservations about doing it or whatever, you still were ambitious enough to take on those sorts of projects at right. like Caleb's house and at your at parents', my parents house. place and all that and kind of stuff. Yeah. And you've kind of like tamped down. So one of the big ones about like, you know, biting off more than you can chew or whatever, as you get into these types of projects, you've done projects now where there've been aspects of it that you have had to like hire out for plumbing infrastructure, that kind of thing that you're like, I'm not going to do this on my own. And you've seen that's a totally viable way to do this. Like I don't need to do 100% of every single part of it. And it yeah. still works as content. So I think like you've 
for not being as ambitious enough to just dive fully into it and owning it on your own, which obviously would have been the best case scenario, you've still been able to do sort of like a 50% model where you basically got paid to learn how to do it so that now you can do it on your own. Right, exactly. And it's kind of funny though, because there's all these things where life is just like a series of dominoes or the butterfly effect, whatever you want to call it, where small decisions, big decisions, they all lead and interact with each other. And so, you know, two years ago, if I had bought and was in the process of flipping a house, I wouldn't have been available to come out to Joshua Tree, give Ben a little bit of help on his, learn a lot from him, and then just kind of like develop that relationship that me and me and you have now, which is ultimately leading, ultimately leading to like us building out a podcast studio for Andrew Schultz, who I'm a big fan of, and is just like one of those opportunities that are kind of crazy. And mm -hmm. so I am all for the whole like no regret, no regrets, you know, no regrets. not one letter, no rugrats, not a single letter. You know, I'm all about that because life is just a series of dominoes that are knocking each other over in different directions. And so I wouldn't necessarily change anything, but I would take a lot more of an aggressive and matter of fact approach to what I'm doing a few years ago, because it's what I'm doing now. And I wish I was doing it sooner. I wish I was a little bit more confident then. But I think that just comes from like being young, being from a small town, all that kind of nonsense where, you know, in like, yeah, I think it was just like being young and a certain level of whatever that is. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, man. I'm just trying to blossom. <laughs> You're doing it, man. You're a rose. <laughs> what are you guys obsessed with? Oh, man. We're running uh, long. <laughs> I'll go. Okay, okay go hit far. it. So on the flight out, I watched, and this is the second time I watched it, but I watched it a lot more closely this time, is have you guys seen the movie Free Solo? Yes. It's incredible. Like, <laughs> the first time yeah. I watched it, I was more just thinking about how insane the actual climbing is and just how dangerous it is. Right. But in watching it sort of a second time, I know that he, you know, he survives and <laughs> doesn't, doesn't splat. <laughs> so I was more just thinking about, you know, what it sort of means to kind of pursue something that you really believe in. So I was thinking more about him as kind of an artist and sticking to, you know, what he's sort of passionate, accomplishing what he cares about. I was thinking about how someone that's kind of fearless, but get does get sort of impacted by the fact that the cameras are there. Like it kind of, it adds a level of pressure. And just because he's overall like fearless doesn't mean he's invulnerable to like these kind of other pressures. And it was interesting hearing him talk to some other climbers where the climbers are saying like, look, you know, they, they kind of expressed a concern that the minute you agree to do this as like a video or a movie where there's other people's time and money is invested in it, it makes it hard to back out even if you feel like it's unsafe. Well, yeah, yeah. And seeing how he kind of bailed on that, he started to climb and then bailed on it because his ankle just wasn't quite ready or he just didn't have the right feel and had to had to wait a lot of time to do it, but then ultimately pulled it off. Like, it's just a, an incredible documentary about like f doing exactly what we were kind of talking about, like following your passions and doing what you believe in and doing it the way you want to. And also just the the filmmaking and craft to that documentary is all just top notch. So. I, I think it's, I can't highly recommend that enough. Like, I think it's as good <laughs> as any kind of film gets. One, it's capturing something that's truly unique and completely without artifice. Like, 
This guy climbs up 3,000 feet of like straight up stone without a rope. <sighs> no way. No it's way. Like, it's like more than half a mile straight up rock. <laughs> like that's insane. It's, it's So one, the physicality of that stunt is incredible. But then when you think about on top of it, that he's not this like crazy daredevil. He's not out there on Instagram like, you know, Johnny Knoxville being like, hey, look at me and doing this. It's it's coming from, you know, a sort of sort of what's seemingly a very pure place of, of, of wanting to self uh, challenge. Totally. Yeah, it was a great show. That's the one on Netflix, right? Um, I think it's on everywhere. OK, pretty great. much. Yeah. But free solo. Check it out if you haven't. It's not that long and it's really good. Nice. Yep. Uh, for mine, so I don't know if I talked about this before, maybe in season one, but I just finished watching season two of Barry. Do you guys watch that? Barry yeah, is amazing. Okay. So I want to talk about one aspect in particular. So the second season, I just finished it and it was very, very good. There's these episodes of shows. I don't know. There must be a name for them, but where they're kind of like a tangential. Is that what it is? So like in um, Breaking Bad, there was that one about like the fly. The fly. Yeah. And I hate that episode. Right. Like I think that's the worst episode of the series by far. It's just kind of like nothing happens. It's boring, whatever. There's this one that's kind of like that in season two of Barry called, I think it's called Ronnie slash Lily. That so is good. like the craziest half hour of TV. <laughs> you have to watch it. Like it's suspenseful and funny <laughs> and I, I won't say anything else about it, but. If you haven't checked out that show, like it's it's legit. It just, you got to watch it. And show. it just keeps going. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And if you haven't seen the show at all, like start from season one, episode oh, one. It's sure. a killer, killer series. It's really great. Yes. Liter- oh, that's a pun, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Killer well, series. hey, don't give away too much. You know, you know what's funny? I wasn't that big of a Bill Hader fan before then. I always thought he was like a good performer on Saturday Night Live, but yeah. mm-hmm. like he's so good in Barry, and like I've heard him in interviews and and stuff since then talking about the show. It just seems like a he's all oh, Oklahoma dude. Oh, yep. Yeah, just seems like a like just incredibly kind of like just humble, matter of fact, thoughtful kind of uh, person. That, that you know, yeah, it's it's a pretty incredible show. Yeah, my obsession this week. I'm gonna have a couple. But real quick, I'm just going to make an announcement. The certified banger stickers, they're out. They're on their way to the actually 150 people. Uh, Ooh, we had a 50 extras? person. Yeah, we had a hundred or we had a 50 person sort of like what you would call a waiting list in mm-hmm. our email of people that had submitted reviews. So I made sure to take care of everybody that had already submitted and then a hundred on top of that. So gotcha. I got a big stack of envelopes that I got to drop off in the next day or so at the mailbox or at the postal service, whatever you call them. So those are on their way. We really do genuinely appreciate all the support. I mean, you know, we're number one in visual arts, but we couldn't have done it alone. I was about to say, but we couldn't have done it without you guys. And, you know, maybe we'll just get on those leading charts of just arts in general. We might be able to, to, you know, break into the the bigger categories. I yeah, really man. want to see a definitive breakdown of how these categories tier on on Apple. Yeah, exactly. Like the the flow chart or the tree chart, like how everything branches off. Yeah. What's the ultimate category to be in? Comedy, I bet. But aside from that. Yeah, that's probably the crime and yeah. <laughs> murder <laughs> mystery. Yeah. It's either comedies or yeah, crime crime docu-series. Yeah. But that's the, the big one. Yeah. So my obsession, weirdly enough, Chris, I can't believe you brought up that episode of Breaking Bad because I'm in the process of rewatching Breaking Bad. Uh-huh. And I'm really close to that episode. I'm probably oh, like boy. two or three episodes Skip away it. from it because they're in, they're in Gus's lab now. Uh-huh. But anyways, all that to say, if you've never watched Breaking Bad, I really do think it's like the best drama 
I don't know, like serious show, not a comedy. Mm-hmm. I definitely think it's like the best show that's been made yet. So check it out for sure. And it's on Netflix, so it's convenient. Yeah, there's no waste in that show. There's really not, Except man. for that one episode. Except for that one fly episode. <laughs> but it's hilarious because uh, a few episodes back is whenever Saul gets introduced. Better call Saul, man. Uh, yeah. That is such a great character. There's not very many characters that have come into a show in season four that have been so good. Yeah, Was shout he out to Bob that late to come into it? Maybe season three, but yeah, definitely not not early That's on. That's crazy, yeah. For me, yeah, in my head, I guess he's such a character that like in my head, he's there almost the whole time. Exactly, and I can't think of many guys that have been able to pull that off as well. So shout out to... Uh yeah, Bob Odenkirk. Odenkirk. There we go. Awesome. So that's going to be my main obsession this week. We appreciate you guys for listening. My second obsession, though, is... Uh-oh. I'm sorry, I was about to go into the outro, but You're then I, I remembered We're it. I, I remembered I had two obsessions, but I had forgotten it while I was talking about Breaking Bad. And it is... I've got this body wash and shampoo combo. Uh-huh. So everything is out of one bottle. Just and it's a big to... bottle. It's a pump bottle. You can brush your teeth with it. Well, you can't. Well, I mean, you could. I don't know how well it's going to work. You could do it technically. But man, that's a game changer. I'm in and out of showers and, you know, 10% less time. I love it. <laughs> saving water, saving the environment. Yeah, exactly. It's great. I love it. It's called Everyman Jack. You can get it at Target, readily available. And uh, it's got a good sandalwood scent. It's good. It's manly. And it smells like the earth. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate all the reviews that you gave us past couple weeks. Hopefully that does something for helping us climb the charts a little bit further. If you have any topic suggestions, thank you to Andy Toth for this week's. I think it was a good one. We ended up doing an hour and 15 minute episode, basically. So it kept us rambling for a little while. And if you have anything that you want us to talk about or any questions you want us to answer, you can either hit us up on Instagram individually. Ben, you are at Benjamin Ueda. Chris, you are at Four Eyes Furniture. And Mike, is at Modern Builds, or you can just shoot us an email at modernmakerpodcast.com. We appreciate all the support. Thanks for listening every week. You guys are amazing, and we'll see you next time on the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye. And you were talking about the lighting on that not being amazing and just being like, you know what? Let's just get it out. Whoa, I burped. I'm sorry. We're editing that out. No, 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 no. We're editing that one out. Sorry. I'm drinking LaCroix. Um,